Hey, welcome to Random, the show where I talk about everything. I'm Tony Scott. We typically post on Wednesdays. Try my best to get it out on Wednesdays. Even this Thanksgiving week, it's going to be a busy week. I got to go to Austin tomorrow, pick up my daughter for Thanksgiving. She's uh, coming home. My Maria is a student at uh, in Austin at college and happy to go and get married. I haven't seen Maria since August. I haven't seen Olivia, my second daughter, since uh, it's been about two years. <laughs> she lives in Los Angeles, but she's come. Actually, no, she came home for Christmas last year. She's coming home for Christmas again this year. So let me stop lying. And my oldest daughter, AJ, lives in Houston, and I saw her about a month and a half ago. So uh, getting them all in, and I'm very excited about that. So anyway, R. Kelly's girlfriend, well, he's got two girlfriends. Uh, one of them, uh, Joycelyn Sa- Savage, is ready to tap out from being his girlfriend. Uh, Joycelyn is promising to spill the tea on her life with R. Kelly, and she's going to do it every week. Okay, every week she's going to have a new episode. It's almost like a podcast, only you have to pay for this. It's on Patreon. Patreon is a platform where you have uh, people who put in money. Typically, it's to support podcasters, things like that. But she wants money so she can tell you about her miserable life with R. Kelly now. Now it's miserable. Her first post was this past Saturday, and it's called Where It All Started. She said she was risking her life to speak out, but she did speak out on how she met R. Kelly when she was 19 years old at one of his concerts. And she said while it was fun, she kind of had mixed emotions, but she stayed around because R. Kelly told her, allegedly, baby girl, you're going to be the next Aaliyah. So that hooked her right there. And then she got closer to R. Kelly. She dropped out of school, and she moved in with him full time. After a couple of months, R. Kelly, she says, started giving her commands, like you got to call me like master or daddy. She didn't care for at the time. If, uh, if I wasn't getting paid or pursuing my dream, I would have went home. She says it all started getting worse day by day. He would raise his voice at me if I didn't call him by those two names. If Robert called me, I would have to reply with yes, daddy, or please, daddy. He was that controlling. When she asked to speak to her parents, R. Kelly would tell her, all this can stop today. You want a career or do you want to live a normal life? Now, in a new revelation that I think came out today, uh, she accused R. Kelly of allegedly, well, the, the peeing thing. And she says that would turn into doo-doo. It's just, it's just awful. Joycelyn also alleges that R. Kelly wouldn't allow her to buy feminine products. She also says he got her pregnant twice. She had two abortions. One abortion that she spoke about, she had at his apartment. She actually had the procedure done at the apartment. She had mixed emotions because she didn't want any babies with him at all. She says R. Kelly pulled a gun on her. He told me I couldn't do certain stuff without him knowing first or his assistant. I started to slip into a depression because it was days I just wanted to get a breath of fresh air, smell some flowers, go shopping, see my family. But it was stripped away from me, she says. I remember one incident very vividly. We were in the house, and I called him to ask him could he get me some food, but I said, hey, babe, instead of the two names, Master and Daddy. He grabbed me and choked me until I blacked out. She says she had to start wearing clothes that covered her skin, like turtlenecks, because she had to cover up the alleged abuse. Now, his lawyer says on Twitter... That basically the money ran out, so she's turning on him. Now, he's since deleted those tweets, but he says that's what happened. None of us want to see our children in any pain, our girls, our little boys. And whatever she went through, she's seen the light now. She's, she's gotten out. And at this point, that's all that matters. All the urinating and all the beating, the abortions, the threesomes, all this controlling master daddy thing. Whether it happened or not, bottom line is this, she is out of his clutches. She's away from him. That's all that really matters at this point. I don't see R. Kelly ever sniffing freedom again. Now, I could be way off base, but based on everything, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to get I don't think he's going to get off this time. I think they got him. Some people still defend him, and that's your right to do so. But she is what we call she's speaking her truth. 
Another person speaking their truth is T.I. He went on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith. He went on there with Tiny to talk about this controversy. He went on a podcast. You know, you heard the story. And they asked him, have you had your talk with your daughter about sex? And he says, not only that, but I take it to the gynecologist on a regular to make sure every year to make sure she's still a virgin. And he says he was joking. Firstly, I came to clear up any misconceptions uh, that have been surrounding how we interact and parent and and what is appropriate and inappropriate. I think all of this surrounds a conversation that I was having in a very joking manner when asked, how do I deal with parenting in this day and age? And Mm -hmm. so I just began to, you know, from a place of of truth, I began to embellish and exaggerate. And I think that a lot of people kind of like took it extremely literal. Now, I said this last week that when I first heard his comments, the podcast he was on has since been taken down. When I first heard his comments, I thought he was joking. I said that on this podcast last week. Now, saying he was joking and maybe he wasn't, we'll never know that. But he said that he didn't understand how sensitive a topic that is. Do you understand the sensitivity of no. it all? Really? I did not. Do you understand it now? Oh, I understand it now. Yes, I do. Absolutely. However, my intentions, I think, have been terribly misconstrued and misconceived. Right. Let me go set this record straight. Never said I was in any exam room. That is an assumption. Right. That is a falsity. Got it. Uh, I never said that uh, it was being done present day. Right. As an 18-year-old. Yeah, because she was 15 and 16 years old at the time. And I never said that her mother wasn't present. Right. He also says that the narrative has been actually been false. All of these things, all of this narrative, this false narrative has just been sensationalized. So at the time, her mother welcomed your presence and your daughter did too? Absolutely. Yeah. And that was never any objection. Right. She did have a problem with me talking about it, however. Right. And I understand that. And I am incredibly apologetic to her. For that, to her, to you, sweet baby Deja, not to any of these other strangers or any of these weirdos who, you know, just kind of toss lies around for fun. And he also says that he's not here to protect her virginity. I'm not there to protect necessarily virginity. I just know that is a big move. Right. Okay. Once you make that move. Okay, there we go. There are things that happen that follow. Right. You have to be equipped. And I don't know know if you're equipped. I don't know. Like, I have to. Awareness is my first line of defense. Right. So that's different. Okay. I don't know how, but okay. That's education. You only have but so much much control. Right. As a parent, I always told my girls, there's nothing that you cannot tell me. That we cannot work out. You can always come to me about anything. Now, what I didn't tell them is some of it would be uncomfortable for me, but you should always feel comfortable coming to me. Now, they're very fortunate, my two younger girls, that they always have their mother to talk to. And I would assume things in that arena, they actually talk to their mother about because their mother felt the same way, feels the same way, even to this day. I feel like on some level, Deja, his daughter, who was a subject of this whole thing, was humiliated and hurt and probably somewhat angry, but she can't say much because, you know, he's probably paying for her college and she probably feels some obligation to protect him. I'm guessing. So the story came out last week about uh, the movie Harriet Tubman. The process to this movie started like back in 1994. 
This is according to the uh, screenwriter and producer of Harriet, Gregory Allen Howard. He says he was in a meeting with some Hollywood executives. And one executive, one studio head said, this, this script is fantastic. Let's get Julia Roberts to play Harriet Tubman. And when someone says, well, Julia can't be Harriet because, you know, Julia's white and Harriet was black. The executive says it was so long ago, no one is going to know the difference. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the executive was not named by name. So this executive might still be in the game. Hopefully not. With thinking, but you know what? No, I'm wrong for saying that because you know what? No idea is ever off the table, especially in Hollywood. You saw the Ten Commandments. I mean, we saw Cleopatra the movie, Elizabeth Taylor. We this has been going on. This is not the first time this has happened. It just sounds bizarre that in 2019, and that's the other thing I question about this story. This story, this story was in 1994. We're 2019, and nobody said ever said anything about this story. No, this story never came out. That makes me go, hmm. Patrick Patterson plays for the L.A. Clippers. And he's apologizing after being accused of referring to black women as bulldogs. Uh, he was uh, questioned about his marriage to a white woman. He's married to a white He posted a video of his wedding on Instagram. Someone posted a response asking why did he wait to get big money before marrying a white woman. And he responded, I should settle for a bulldog and act like I'm happy with my life and preach keep it in your race to the world. As if Dr. King didn't fight uh, for equality, acceptance, all cultures, loving one another and no hate. No thanks. That may be your life, but I don't want that for mine or my family. Color doesn't matter. Wake up. He later apologized, saying two wrongs don't make a right, but I let my emotions get the better of me in the heat of the moment. For that, I apologize to him, his wife, and the rest of his family for the hurtful and crude comments made on that day. And he says, I was not speaking about black women when I said bulldogs. I will clarify again, I was not using the term as a reference to black women. That is not at all how I feel, but I do not need to justify the world that I love my black people. I have no animosity or bitterness towards my race. I believe in love and equality. My question is, how else could we take this? So I should settle for a bulldog and act like I'm happy with my life and preach, keep it in your race. How else are people supposed to take that? It sounds like you're referring to black women in that context. Now, if you say you didn't mean it that way, I mean, we can give you the benefit of the doubt, but I'm, I, I just, it's hard for me to buy that. I'm not, I'm not here for that. So it's been about, what, a week and a half since Colin Kaepernick worked out in front of several NFL teams, several being a very general term here, but nobody has called. And who's surprised by that? Is anybody surprised by that at all? Did anybody actually think that that workout, even if it had gone off the way the NFL wanted it to, would he get a call? And to me, the answer is no. I don't think Colin Kaepernick will ever play in the NFL. I pray that I'm wrong. Adam Schefter from ESPN says that Colin Kaepernick's team sent out a a footage of his workout to the 25 teams that were not there for his workout. So that means only like five teams were there. The teams have not extended any offers. Following his workout, sources claim that teams were interested in moving forward with Colin, but nothing. And I disagree with Sean King. Sean King says if Colin Kaepernick said, I won't kneel down in games anymore and I'll do what you want, just let me back in, he would be in like this week. I don't see that happening. Now, I was listening to a podcast uh, where they were saying that he doesn't need to play in the NFL anymore. That part of his life is over, is what they were saying. They were saying that that part of his life is over. He needs to move forward with what the next journey is because he's never going to play it down. And I hate to say it, but I kind of agree with that. I kind of think he's done as an NFL player, not because of his skill set, but because of the way the whole thing played out. And anybody who says that he was not a good NFL quarterback really is not paying attention to his whole career. So a woman got 10 years for sending a homemade bomb to former President Barack Obama. Now, this happened while he was in office She got 10 years in federal prison. Julia Poff is 48 years old. 
she sent a homemade bomb to President Obama in 2016. She pled guilty to transporting explosives with intent to kill, injure, and intimidate. Her, her cat gave her away. Apparently, a cat hair found underneath the address label was there, and it matched the cat in her house. She also sent similar devices to the governor of Texas, Gray Abbott, and Social Security Administration Commissioner Carolyn Colvin. Why? She was mad her ex-husband didn't send her child support, and her disability benefits were denied for a third time. Now, she's in court, about to be sentenced, and Julia Paz... She told the judge we had, had nothing to do with this. We did not do this. Her lawyer got in her ear. So then Julia says, Your Honor, I'm sorry to hurt people. <laughs> so I'm guessing the, her lawyer either told her, look, you got 10 years. If you go with this I didn't do a thing, it's, this is probably going to increase. 10 years is the best deal you're going to get. You need to say you're sorry. That's probably what he told her. And she probably said, okay, all right, that's what I got to do. Hey, there's a hero. I don't know if you heard about this or not. This hero, I don't, I'm not sure if any of us would do this. He's a doctor. He saved a man's life aboard a flight by literally sucking urine from his bladder for about 40 minutes. It was a medical emergency that broke out on a flight from China to New York. A vascular surgeon named Zhang Hong was on board, and he quickly managed to determine that the man had around a liter of urine trapped in his bladder, but he wasn't able to urinate. There was six hours left to go on the flight. If there was a rupture, which was probably going to happen, he would die. So they made a makeshift bed. They cleared out a staff area. This is on the plane. He rigged a device together using the materials that were available to him. He basically went MacGyver. He used a portable oxygen mask, a syringe needle, straws from milk boxes, and tape. And he managed to pierce the patient's bladder, but the syringe was not big enough to ease the pressure. So he had to improvise with the only pump he could rely on, his lips. He sat beside the patient and for the next 37 minutes sucked the urine out of his bladder, spitting it into an empty wine bottle and a glass. That's a hero. How many of us would have done that for real? I would like to think, would I think is a key word here, that if I had medical training, if I were a doctor, I would have done the same thing. Oh, Tony, come on. I said, I would like to think that I would. I'm not saying that I would. I would like to think that I would have done that. I probably wouldn't have, though. I don't know. When you're a doctor, you have a whole different mindset. You don't care about anything but treating the patient, that's your oath, right? Don't care about their politics. You don't care about anything. If you're a doctor, if you're a Democrat, if you don't like Donald Trump and God forbid he have a heart attack and you're the only doctor there, are you going to let him die or are you going to try and treat him? If you're a doctor with this Hippocratic oath, you're going to try and treat him. Why? It's just the right thing to do. Jim Cornette is a uh, wrestling announcer with the uh, National Wrestling Alliance, where he was. The National Wrestling Alliance, uh, a.k.a. NWA, and he has resigned. Apparently, they were streaming an episode on the Internet, and he was commenting on a match between a guy named Nick Aldis and a guy named Trevor Murdoch. And he was complimenting how tough Trevor Murdoch is when he says he's the only man I've ever known that can strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride across a motor scooter uh, across Ethiopia. Yeah, you don't get to keep your job for that. They don't let you keep your job for that. They don't allow that anymore. doesn't work that way. So for all that, uh, the whole Joe Biden, Hunter Biden thing, I, I, you know, the, the politics aside with the Ukraine, that whole thing aside, because that's not what I'm talking about. But apparently there was an issue in Hunter Biden's life. There's been issues in Hunter Biden's life for a while. Uh, apparently the latest one is a DNA test shows that he did father a child with an Arkansas woman with scientific certainty, according to court papers. London Roberts said in a motion that uh, he's the father. He denied even having sex with a woman. They said, let's do a DNA. He goes, let's do it. Let's do the DNA. Let's do it. So they did it last month. That is not my child, he says. Child was born in August of 2018. This was while he was in a relationship with Hallie Biden, 
who is the widow of his older brother, Bo, who died sadly of brain cancer in 2015. They started dating in 2017. They broke up in April. The woman in London Roberts filed a paternity suit in May, two weeks after Hunter married Melissa Cohen. They dated for six days before they got married. Now, Hunter apparently is going through something. He's got three adult daughters from his first marriage. He's had a history of drug and alcohol problems and got it kicked out of the U.S. Navy Reserve for cocaine use in 2014. He's been to several rehab stints. Pro tip here, Hunter Biden. When you agree to a DNA test, that's like when you propose to a woman. And guys, if you don't know this, I won't take points off. Consider yourself informed. When you propose to a woman, you should already know what the answer is going to be. It's just a formality. If you don't, don't ask. You have to know with 100% certainty that she's going to say yes. Same thing with a DNA test. When a guy says, let's take a DNA test, you have to know that you are not the father of the child in question. Hunter Biden says, we never even had sex. And yeah, let's take a DNA test. What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. What? Now you come off as a bigger fool. And he's had lots of, he's had lots of missteps here. I mean, the drug stuff aside, he was dating his brother's wife after his brother died. He married after six days, another woman. Dude, you're doing it wrong, bro. You know, I had a lot of respect for Judge Joe Brown over the years. I just respected him on his TV show. And I didn't watch, I would watch excerpts. Wasn't a regular watcher. But he seemed to be a man who, who knew a little bit about the world. He did a debate with Dr. Umar Johnson, I think. In an interview, and he was asked, what are your thoughts on Harry Tubman's face being on a $20 bill? First, he says he's not a fan of feminists. I don't give a damn about feminists. They can go straight to hell. I know they hate themselves because they got two chromosomes instead of an XY. They're fraudulent, self-hating, and they're sick. And then he says Frederick Douglass should be on the $20 bill. Does he have a problem with a black woman like Harry Tubman being memorialized? Whether it's on a $20 bill or any other way? Well, he says, I got a big problem if it's on a bill before they put a black man's face on it. I got a big problem with that. It's insulting to the black race because you're saying the men ain't worth a damn. And I got to be honest, I've, I've lost like a lot of respect for him. You know, first of all, you know, the, the whole feminist thing, all women want is a fair shot. Women want to be paid equal for the same work they do that men do. Women want control over their bodies like men do. I don't see nothing wrong with that. The, now, the whole Harriet Tubman on a $20 bill. I think anybody of color who's honored, who's being honored by having their, their likeness on, a, on currency in this country is an amazing accomplishment given the history of this country. Now I know Donald Trump has thrown water on this. I don't know if it's been taken off the table and I don't think it matters who it is. Let's just get somebody on there. I mean, to me, Joe Brown's acting like this is going to be the only time this is ever going to happen. And it may be, but we can't look at it like that. Progress in small steps. Everybody wants everything. Now when Barack Obama became president, racism ended that day. It did where, where you live. Well, tell me where you are. I want to move there. <laughs> Racism never went away. And then when Donald Trump got elected president, then he emboldened, he enabled people to step out of the box with their racism. And it happens all the time. Miles Garrett is the defensive player for the Cleveland Browns, who was suspended for the rest of the season after a Thursday night football game where he pulled the helmet off the Pittsburgh quarterback, Mason Rudolph, and hit him over the head with it. Talked about that last week. He had to go to meet with the NFL about what happened. And after the meeting, the NFL says that the suspension will, in fact, be upheld through the end of the season. They would love for him to come back next season, is what they're saying. But it depends on how he reacts to the news that he's not going to be back playing this season. Now, Miles Garrett says, you know what? Mason Rudolph called me the N-word. 
That's why I hit him. That's why I hit him. He called me the N-word. Now, the NFL says they investigated that, couldn't find any evidence that any N-word was thrown around from Miles, from uh, Mason Rudolph to Miles Garrett. There's some players on the Cleveland Browns that never, you never even heard the story about a racial slur being used. Why is it just now coming out? I mean, if I'm Miles Garrett, when the microphones were shoved in my face in the locker room after that game, that Thursday night, and they say, why did you do that? I would have said then, because he called me the N-word. That would have been my response. He, I would have called him out then, waiting almost a week to say, yo, he called me the N-word, is really throwing that whole theory into doubt, because what did you wait for? And it's so funny, because when I saw it happening on TV, I was like, Lord, I hope this man didn't call this man the N-word. How many of y'all thought the same thing? Now, Mason Rudolph has also been fined for his part in this whole thing. I mean, he wasn't innocent in this whole thing. Uh, Gabrielle Union fired from America's Got Talent, they're saying. Apparently, the reason she spoke out against problematic racism, sexism, and more. The website Love B. Scott, it's a, it's a gossip blog, says that uh, NBC sources told Love B. Scott exclusively her firing came as a result of her speaking up about problematic situations. Social media engagement is a new measuring stick for talent, and Simon Cowell isn't on social media. Uh, Julianne Howe, who is it Huff? Julianne Huff and Gabriel Union were both no longer going to be on the show, but they both ranked higher uh, and engaged than Howie Mandel, the other man on the show. So it was Julianne, Gabrielle, Simon, and Howie. The idea the network wants to switch things up only applies to women and black folks. Tyra Banks, Heidi Klum, Mel B, they all left the show last year. So is there something to that? I don't know. You've been following, uh, last was it last week that Prince Andrew got fired? This is Prince William and Prince Harry's uncle. This is Prince Charles' brother. Apparently, he's connected somehow to the Jeffrey Epstein thing. And he did an interview that was disastrous. And Queen Elizabeth removed him from all royal duties. That's a polite way of saying he got fired. It was last Wednesday that Queen Elizabeth II felt hoodwinked by his BBC interview over his ties to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, reports say Prince William was heavily involved in the decision that Prince Andrew actually be kicked out of his offices at Buckingham Palace. He wasn't just fired. They took his name off the door. The queen feels, quote, aggrieved at claims that she gave the go-ahead for Andrew's interview. Usually when someone of the royal family is going to do an interview, the, the royal team, there's a team there that vets the whole thing. What do you want to talk about? When do you want to do this? Where's the camera going to be? What side are you going to show of them? Are you going to show video clips? Is there going to be B-roll? They want to know all this stuff. They want to know every, where's it going to be? Who's going to be in the room? How do you get fired from being the prince? <laughs> you got, dude, you got fired. That's worse than getting fired on your day off. You're, you're the royal family. You're a member of the royal family and you got fired. It was going to be a big 60th birthday for him that the queen had planned, but she has canceled that. Instead, his February 19th birthday will be a small family dinner. That's going to be tense in that room, right? Only uh, Prince Andrew's ex, Sarah Ferguson, has defended him, saying she's deeply supportive and proud of this giant of a principal man. Montel Jordan, this is how we do this, this is how we do He went on Karen Hunter's show on Sirius XM, and he talked about his financial issues. I didn't know he had financial issues, but apparently he did. A little $50,000 advance that I was supposed to pay like $11,000 on uh, didn't get taken care of. It went into default. They allowed the interest to accrue. And then over a period of three years later, they came back like, yo, you owe us $700,000 or whatever. So I did a, a publishing deal and I gave away publishing to be able to pay unjust 
taxes. Uh, and I, I lost I lost uh, publishing. But he says he does admit that, you know, during the peak of his career, he was spending needlessly. Said he spent fifteen thousand dollars on a Python jacket for the BET Awards or sold one of the award shows. And you can only wear it once because you can't be seen in it. You're a celebrity. You can only be seen wearing something once. Now, I don't know where that rule came from. I think that's in the balling uh, guidelines for when you're a celebrity. Well, how bad did it get? I would go have clothes made for uh, Soul Train Awards. I spend fifteen thousand dollars on a, a Python jacket and stuff that I can only wear one time. You know what I mean? So I, I had all these different things that I had acquired that were, were seemed like they were cool things at the time. I could never use again. And then one day we had a house fire and it all burnt up. And from close friends, the church had to come and give us money to go to Target to get draws and to, to to be able to have a place to stay. He also says in the interview, though, in that interview again, courtesy of Sirius XM and Karen Hunter. That he learned he didn't really need any of that stuff. The only thing he needed was his love, was love and family and God. Everybody's up in arm. Rick Perry apparently says that Trump is the chosen one and sent by God to do great things. God didn't choose Donald Trump as the chosen one. God didn't choose Barack Obama to be the chosen one. None of this happens. Trump is not the chosen one. <laughs> it's pretty impressive, though, that the people who are still ride or die with the president Pretty impressive when you think about it. They ain't here for any of that, man. Whether it's grabbing female body parts, evangelicals really had no problem with that. Before, they would have had a problem with anybody doing that. But it's Donald Trump. And I've said this before. It's because they're frightened. They think they're going to lose control of this country. And they're not. The country's going to change whether they like it or not. Because everything changes. The free passes this man is getting as the president. I mean, he was in Austin, Texas, and he tweeted about how he was there to open up an Apple plant, manufacturing plant, that created like a bunch of new jobs. When the fact of the matter is, this plant he was at has been open for like six years. It opened in 2013. So, no, he didn't open a plant. The plant actually opened when President Obama was the president. And I know he doesn't like to hear that, but it's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. Now, how do they explain that? How do supporters of the president explain that? Because it's there. You can go to Austin and look up the, the, the permits, the building permits, and while well, construction started and everything, it was in 20, whatever it was. And when it opened, it was 2013. So construction probably started 2011, 2012, maybe even 2010. All that is documented. There's paperwork. It's got nothing to do with politics. <laughs> and he says, this is what I did. And he's a damn liar. How do you explain that if you're a Trumper? Explain that. I mean, how would you explain that? He misspoke. Is that the one you're going to go with? We're still going to give you the side eye, but is that the one you're going with? He misspoke. How do you misspeak being at the opening of a manufacturing plant that's been open for six years? How do you misspeak that? I don't know how you do that, but apparently it happens quite a bit in this presidency. That's where we are, man. That's exactly where we are. We're also at the point where we're going to end this podcast. It's the random podcast. And I appreciate you so much for listening. If you can share this, tell the world we're growing it slowly, but sure. We've had growth every week for the last four weeks. I'm happy to say we posted on Wednesdays and hopefully uh, it's something that maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't know a lot about. I don't know. Maybe you just want a different perspective, but I appreciate you. I'm on social media at all things. Tony Scott media. All right. Thanks so much again for listening. As I record this from Podcast Suites, shout out to Mark McCray. Also, shout out to Allison Seymour and Mark Clark. And a shout out to you. All right. Have a great week. And we'll talk again next week.